Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlin, and I am joined by JMU alumnus Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, what's it like? What's it like in post? What's what's it like in post grad life? Um, boring. Yesterday I had nothing to do, so I played Xbox all day. That's it, it actually was really like. People were asking me if I was excited about it, and then my answer always was just more relief. Because I mean, mm, yeah. I was, you probably experienced this too. You went for sixteen years, pretty hard in terms of schooling. Yeah, and then one day it was just kind of over. Yeah, no, school's really weird, and it's also very strange to go to that many consecutive years of school and then not be going back to school. Yeah, it's very odd. It's such a weird transition that most people don't think about or really prepare you for. Like they don't talk about it that much. Obviously, they try to help you get a job, but they're not like, "This is weird," <laughs> you know, to adjust. Yeah, it, it's definitely it's weird. Been a, Hopefully, I won't have to adjust for too long because, uh, yeah, I'll get a job. Hopefully, you know. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Employment is always good. Very a huge true. supporter of employment. Today, I had pancake bread from Trader Joe's, and it's just like a sugary bread. And let me tell you, it's changing the way I live. There's my life before pancake bread, and there's my life after pancake bread, which has only been. I don't know, like 12 you have hours. Trader Joe's up but where it's... you are? Oh, we're we're high class. <laughs> with wow. Our, with our yeah, we got that. We got a Whole Foods. Wow. Oh, there's a really Wegmans somewhat nearby. Yeah, Wegmans we also too? We got like a yeah, it's reasonably close. Wow, you you have the big three up there. It's crazy. Damn, I was I thought we yeah, were bougie down here with our with our three WalMarts and a uh, Wegmans. Also pretty nice. I don't know about. Three WalMarts is a lot of Yeah, Walmarts. Fredericksburg has a lot of extras things. We have like four Dunkins, wow. two oh, three Chick-fil-A's. That's nice. We have like one Chick-fil-A and it's like thirty minutes away. Yeah, I, they're all like ten minutes away from me. You know, like four Taco Bells. Living life in Fredericksburg, Virginia. <laughs> living life. <laughs> That's amazing. Huh. Speaking of living life, some of these JMU football dudes has a a smooth transition to start, which signals good things for the rest of the way. Some of these guys have, have earned some shots, either like rookie mini camp tryouts. Marcus Marshall got an undrafted free agent contract with the Chiefs after one of those tryouts. David Eldridge has a tryout coming up with the Bengals, and Jimmy Moreland, of course, was drafted by the Redskins. So some good news for, uh, for some former Jamie football players. Yeah, so very good for them. That, that's, that's all I can really say. I mean, Jimmy, I, I mean, I don't know how good Jimmy was expecting a fourth round pick, got a seventh round. Right. Um, but he's he's gonna I think he's gonna make the roster. The rest of the guys, it's great they're getting their shot. I don't I don't know if they'll make the roster though. Yeah, good opportunity. It's gonna be tough. Like even with Marcus Marshall with an undrafted free agent deal, still no guarantee that he makes that fifty three man roster, of course. Yeah. Um and I think people kinda overlooked that originally when they're saying that they're getting signed and, and Rashard Davis I think got signed like tonight. Yeah, that um, was kind of weird that he got yeah. signed with Marcus to the same 
they're bringing in because of Tyree Kill and everything. Yep. Richard might be able to land a spot on that roster, though. Yeah, he's got a similar skill set um, in terms of like speed, punt returnability, that sort of thing. So yeah. I think that they're definitely looking to make some moves. I know they drafted a guy out of Georgia who seemed like he had a similar skill set to Tyreek Hill. Um, so they're looking for the replacement. I'm sure they're going to try out a lot of guys. And who knows, maybe Rashard Davis fills that spot, at least in some regard. Yeah. And then Cardin with the Steelers. That was an interesting fit. I didn't think Cardin would even get a tryout, in all honesty. And David Eldridge is even more of a head-scratcher to me. Not that they're not great players. They were at the JNU FCS level. But I I was just really surprised that they even got a tryout at the NFL level. Yeah, I figured there would be a lot of questions about Cardin's injury history. But I guess a tryout, there's not a whole lot of pressure there. But I think he's probably got you know tough odds to make a roster given the injury history and then some age. And I know people always worry about like the amount of carries and, and yardage on running backs. Um, in their career. And then Eldridge, of course, was not an afterthought, but he wasn't one of JMU's main threats. But even there, to some respect, I think Ish Hyman wasn't a huge threat when he was there, and now the Browns have signed him. So kind of interesting to see some of these guys, especially at the receiver spot, who maybe weren't making massive impacts, but they're actually, you know, they kind of have the size and speed to get looks from NFL teams. I think with the wide receiver more so than any other position in the NFL – it, it all depends on skill set and how they fit. Like yep. you were talking about with Richard, he fits perfectly with the Kansas City Chiefs, a punt returner, a speedster, kind of a shorter guy, good in the slot, but has a lot of speed. Where Eldridge is a bigger guy, and he just he runs those deep routes really well. I mean, you saw it a couple times in the season. He showed flashes with Danucci, and these those types aren't really used. Well, Richard was used a lot. He was a prolific player back in his day. But Eldridge just wasn't used a lot because that wasn't Houston's style. So I wonder if we saw a more air raid Houston, would we have seen an Eldridge where we were like, wow, that's an NFL caliber player. But it's just amazing how receivers are so specific. Like each each receiver does something so well, and that can get you an NFL gig for a year or two. Yeah, that's a really good point. They are like so specialized in sort of what they do. It's also a good point about Jamie's offense, and I think we'll see that more this year too, is a lot of receivers are super talented on that roster, but they're not going to get a ton of you know, touches like somebody who is playing maybe like an Oklahoma or Texas Tech or one of those kind of offenses would just because Jamie wants to run the ball and control the clock and they do short yeah. passes. and It's kind of hard to have like crazy receiver stats, especially when they have so many weapons and they're not throwing the ball that many times. Yeah. Yeah, also in CAA football, we have a media deal that has made fans upset, a streaming deal with the Colonial Athletic Association. I guess it's it's more than just football. It's really the whole athletics as a whole. Um, but it's with Flow Sports, which is kind of, I guess, somewhat known, somewhat unknown. If you're Apparently, if you're a DC United fan, you know, but you're not too pleased oh, with Flow Sports. Oh, that's what people meant by DCU. Yeah. I was thinking the DC Cinematic Universe. <laughs> They have butchered the coverage of the DC Cinematic Universe like you would not believe. At first, I was struggling. No idea how confused I was. I was like, man, I've never heard of Flow Sports and everyone really getting on about ruining DCU. I was like, shoot. That's amazing. That's the best thing I've heard all day, maybe all week. Okay, I can so imagine DC the confusion. United makes a lot more sense. Okay, what were you saying about that? 
I guess they were missing from what I've what I've read. I guess they were missing like the starts of games and the feed's been really crappy and stuff. So that's that's What's not new? great. But they're paying the CAA, so it's a it's a seven figure deal over four years. So it could be one million or it could be nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine or whatever. It's I'm going to tell you right now, it's not that end because if it was, they would have said that when they say seven figure, it might literally one point one be right. Like it might just be one, like on the dot. So I'm assuming it's on that lower end, but it's you know it's kind of rare and good. Um, for the CAA to be able to get money out of the deal. It allows them to be a little more flexible with basketball, um, trying to land like linear TV deals. Um, but but overall, I don't know how many fans are really going to pay twelve fifty a month to get some of these games. And I think the concern is that if Flow Sports is picking like the best um, games to show, because they're doing limited coverage, it's not going to be the entire CAA schedule yeah. across all sports. Are they going to be picking a lot of JMU sports for this expensive feed, you would think that they would if they have a choice because it's you know the best team in across many sports. Yeah, I mean, I th- I feel like if you're paying twelve fifty a month, you're gonna want to see the best game. Not, I saw someone bring this up. Like, is it gonna be James versus <laughs> Richmond one weekend, and then is it gonna be Rhode Island versus University of Albany the next in football? Like, <laughs> right. Is, or is it going to be a Delaware J? Because like, JMU brings an interesting matchup every week in CAA football. Either give me that or like good rivalries, and I can't really think of another good rivalry in the CAA. But <laughs> as I say that, but, but I feel like if they are going to be doing the best matchups, um, I think JMU fans might be seeing a lot of JMU on Flow Sports. Right, and I think that might be some people's concern um still gonna be a lot of stuff on madison i think jeff bourne's thing so there was like roughly 50 percent of athletic competitions they expected to actually be on flow sports um and it can be on flow sports and still be on tv so there is that benefit for some local people but let's say you're living in like california and you follow jmu sports i don't know how how many people actually do that but if you are hypothetically we have probably... we've had a listener in france so all right well to whoever's listening from france you're probably going to have to deal with Flow Sports or Madazone. You're likely not going to get on TV in France anytime soon. So, I mean, there's yeah, like probably not. some concern with that. I don't know. It's an interesting deal. I guess we'll see how it kind of shapes out. But the one thing I will say is like, I don't know if people should be surprised that the CA sports streaming deal isn't that good. Like, I mean, it's not a conference that really draws in that many viewers or interest like i don't know what people were expecting like uh, yeah we're on espn every saturday every game game day is always going to be to see it. like what are you expecting like, i i think it, it it's tainted for two reasons maybe just one. Oh yeah two reasons i think it's a lot of we're seeing i mean we're the jmu sports news right so we're seeing a lot of jmu fans who have experienced game day twice who have experienced some like ESPN three games on and off the last couple of seasons, <laughs> like ESPN plus, whatever that is. Plug, plug, plug. Um, Huge ESPN plus fan. <laughs> but w- they've seen that. And so that's what they expect because they've seen JMU on it. But I mean, you also have to realize that in CA football, you have teams like University of Albany, you have Rhode Island, who had one good season, you have Elon, who's had maybe two good seasons after years of mediocrity. I mean, you have a lot of these bad teams in the CAA 
but they're held afloat by the couple good ones, and the couple good ones think they should be on these bigger ones, but the bad teams are pulling them down. But also, as you're a CAA fan, a mid-major fan, you kind of looked at some other mid-major conferences, and you see that they kind of have something going, too, with ESPN and better contracts. And yeah. it seems that the CAA is just kind of behind the eight ball time and time again with, yeah, with think... some of the best teams. I mean, you have the women's mm-hmm. across defending national champions. You have Jamie Football, who was in the national championship. For, like, CAA just seems to have good teams, but not good broadcasting. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that's frustrating for Jamie fans, and that's a really good point about um, us sort of being in that Jamie bubble where we're hearing more of their take. I don't I mean I don't know that there are outraged Albany fans. Are you kidding me? Like I'm not <laughs> able to, not be able to watch the Great Danes on Saturdays now. Like I don't know if those people even exist. So I mean I I do think in that respect it makes sense because not every school in this conference thinks like Jamie does about athletics. So to be able to get money seven figures out of this four year deal. <laughs> is is good but i also think there were some like some narratives that were being pushed by like the conference that i thought were just insane like there's this idea that this is going to help them get two men's ncaa tournament bids because they're getting more exposure by like the occasional game on cbs like sports which is like an it's not like cbs's main channel it's like the obscure cbs channel and like that that sort of exposure is going to get two teams into the league. It's like, well, everybody just transferred. The teams are terrible. Like you can put them on ESPN. You can put them on NBC every night of the year. Watching like Drexel play men's basketball is not going to, the exposure might hurt. Like that's how bad some of the quality is. So I think that the quality of play is a little more important going forward more than sort of like the exposure. But And especially when your quote unquote best team in the CAA got, destroyed in the first round this last year. I don't I don't think you're getting two bids anytime soon if that's your best team. No, and then William & Mary was supposed to be one of the best teams returning, and I think everyone transferred, including, like, people who had just watched basketball. They were like, I got to transfer now. <laughs> I mean, like, the whole school probably transferred. It's crazy. Well, and they fired them. their coach. Who had been... Yeah, that was weird. That whole thing was weird. Just odd. So I don't know. I don't really expect men's basketball to get two bids soon. And I don't know. I honestly don't know what the money is. Is there money that comes in from like the women's team winning games in the NCAA tournament? I guess there might be some, but I'm not sure the same level because they did almost get two bids uh, this past year. But I'm not sure if that's at the same level. Honestly, I can't really speak to that too much. But I'm I'm sure getting like two or, or three women's bids would be a really good step forward. But again, I'm not sure that that's like a lack of exposure. And they're also probably not putting many women's games, I would think, on CBS Sports. So I'm not sure if Flow Sports really brings added exposure. I think JMU has its own exposure, which is why they almost got two bids last year, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't really have well, That's pretty much all I got, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got on Flow Sports. <laughs> What else we got? We got women's tennis. They made the NCAA tournament, which is solid. They lost to Duke, which was kind of expected. Do you have any sort of closing thoughts on that season? I just couldn't believe they took down William and Mary. Yeah. I think that right there was the pinnacle of the season. And I think them losing to Duke in straight sets meant kind of nothing. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, same. I think that winning the CAA tournament, like you said, was the highlight of the year. And the rest is just kind of gravy after the fact. And Another team that won the CA, lacrosse. Um, they did a 
did that in dominant fashion. They look great in those two CAA tournament games. They get Stony Brook Friday, and then they'll, if they win, they'll play number one Maryland to actually beat them 18-5 to earlier this year. What do you expect from JMU in the tournament? Well, I have a quick question. Is Stony yes. Brook a good team? That's a good question. I think they're reasonably good, but I saw some Stony Brook Twitter people that were furious about drawing JMU, which leads me to believe that they think they, they may lose that game. Okay. Well, <clears throat> watching that game, the CX Championship game, I was doing little plug. I was doing Instagram story for the at JMU Lacks um, Instagram page. So oh. I was like right there with the team the whole time. And I've never seen a team that this loose has a negative connotation with it, but loose, like in the best way possible, I could say like, right. it was a championship game, but they were having fun. They weren't tight. They were just going out there and playing. And then they went up 10-1 in the first half with like 10 minutes to go in the first half. And then I don't know if they kind of called off the dogs or if Hofstra's not Hofstra. Yeah, Hofstra. Yeah, Hofstra, like, tightened up the defense. I don't know what, but the, they just didn't seem to score as easily for the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of factors there with it. Uh, but this team, I fully believe, can beat Stony Brook, maybe beat Maryland. I, If they beat Maryland, they could make a really deep run, but I, I don't see them beating Maryland. Right. Yeah, I kind of have the same feelings. I just looked up Stony Brook a little bit. They played six ranked teams, or three and three. They've been pretty competitive in the losses. They have two one-goal losses and then a four-goal loss early in the season. So they're pretty solid, 15-4, and four, and they've won 11 in a row. So I guess they're 4-4, four and four and they haven't lost since. So Stony Brook's coming in hot. You got Maryland, 18-1. They actually, they actually lost their last game um, that they played in the Big Ten tournament. So that was their first loss of the season. They're Ooh. playing unbelievably well. They've beaten a ton of ranked teams in dominant fashion. They've played number seven, Michigan, 14-3 win. Number eight, number eight, Virginia, 16-6 win. JMU, they beat, JMU beat 18-5. to five. I mean, they've just beaten the crap out of teams. Wow. So I what, think there's got to be. they have that's so good? Like, their defense <laughs> is amazing. Just an unreal team and great tradition for Maryland lacrosse. So I think that. My guess would be that they beat Stony Brook and lose to Maryland. Although, you know, I think it'll be, I do think it'll be more competitive than the 18 to 5 loss. I think JMU's played pretty well recently, and I think they'll kind of come out fired up. I just, I don't know how you, you play at Maryland's, you know, home turf because they get to host campus sites early on um, and find a way to beat a team playing as well as, as Maryland is. Yeah, I mean, if you could do that, you won the national championship. Yeah, if they get through them, I think there's a, a chance they go on another crazy run. But it's so slim that they're going to beat Maryland. But the, the, made JMU history in winning the CAA and back-to-back-to-back years. So hang your hat on that. You won a national championship and just go out competitive with Maryland. Right. I think that's one of the things that, that might get lost just because they won the national championship last season um, is that this team's really good. And they've done a really good job of sort of rallying together and, and getting over some some early hurdles. And they've been impressive. I've I've been really impressed with them. I think next year they're gonna be really solid too. They've got a bunch of really talented young players. So I mean, it's a good team and from looking through some stuff here, they haven't they had one stretch late nineties, early two thousands where it looks like they 
may have won a bunch of NCAA tournament games in consecutive seasons. But I think this would give them, I think they won one game in 2017. They won one last year. It'd be three straight seasons of being hit by Stony Brook with an NCAA tournament win. And that's a really good streak to, to have, even if it doesn't end with a win over Maryland. I think that just winning NCAA tournament games in consecutive seasons is a good step forward. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And, I mean, who knows? Might help uh, CA get more money in the Nets flow sports deal. <laughs> right. Flow sports is huge on women's lacrosse. They put, I don't know, maybe it'll be like they could go up all, all the way to eight figures. Maybe they can get two bids into the NCAA women's lacrosse tournament. Right. With the exposure, <laughs> right. you know? Right. <laughs> the exposure. Somebody had a really funny comment on, like, just a little side note, on, like, a JMU Sports Facebook thing where they said, like, if you ask DC United fans, thank you, who's excited <laughs> about um, Flow Sports, you would get crickets. But the good news is you can watch cricket with Flow Sports. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty long. <laughs> that's high quality comedy. JMU fans are smart. Good job, JMU fans. Proud of you guys. <laughs> All right, moving on to another potential CA tournament champion. We've got softball that starts their CA tournament on Wednesday. They're 44 and 7. They're on a 16 game win streak. They had nine players earn all CA honors. Um, coach, Lauren Laporte, won Coach of the Year for her. So she's had two years of that. Coach has been Coach of the Year both times. What do you think the team's ceiling is? I didn't put too much in our outline about the CA conference tournament because I don't think it's that exciting. Overall, yeah, but I, mean, I think people are kind of more concerned with the NCAA tournament but what do you think this team's ceiling is do you think they'll get a top 16 seed what do you think well first off I want to say did you predict their uh final record like accurately I was close I had like I think I had six losses I was like 46 and or 47 and six and they had a couple games canceled and they lost one more than I expected but it was close darn that's really close sheesh um so team ceiling do I think they'll earn a top 16 seed? I'm going to be transparent and say not transparent. No on top 16 seed, but I think they'll make a good run. I, this team, though, I just have a – it's kind of weird because I, I saw them play against Elon early on in conference play and lose to Elon because they just couldn't hit. But yeah. it seems like this team is such a great hitting team. But I'm just worried that they may drop an egg like that for a game or two and then all of a sudden be out of it. Yeah. They kind of scare me. And I interacted with someone, like if you're a Jamie fan, I think the potential is there for them to make a deep run. I think there's also kind of that potential for a, a disappointing flame out. Yeah. Um, and I don't say that to be like negative or anything, but I was talking to somebody on Twitter, and I forget who it was. But they made a good point of being like, I think the 2016 team that made a Super Regional and almost made the Women's College World Series was significantly better, or at least better. And then you look at the stats, and this team compares probably favorably to the 2016 team, especially at like the bottom of the lineup and things like that. But just watching them, there's not like the same level of trust. I think some of it is because the team's a lot younger. But there's so many weird instances like losing 12 to nothing to Virginia Tech where they just got crushed that like games like that. And you're right, like the Elon game where they just didn't show up. And I know that these are kind of far and few between a little bit, but it's kind of concerning. And even some starts, I know Odyssey Alexander, she threw like one third of an inning and gave up four runs the other day. 
And of course they rallied back and they won 15 to five. So you can't <laughs> be like overly concerned, but it's little things where if like you're playing, you know, an NCAA tournament caliber team and you give up four runs in a third of an inning. Yeah. You, the game might be over like yeah. that early just because some of these teams have such good pitchers. So there is some concern. I think the top 16 seed is going to be huge because I think they're kind of right on the fringe. And if they don't win the CAA tournament or if they lose a game, I think it might knock them out. If they win out, I think they might sneak in. But even then, it'll probably be in the maybe like 12 to 16 range, which if they get through the regional, it would lead to a really tough super regional. So it's it's going to be a tough road. But I do think that if they find a way to get the pieces clicking because they have a lot of talent in the circle and in the lineup, that it could be a special run. But I would say the ceiling, personally, I think the super regional – just from what I've seen so far, would be the team ceiling. Um, I think they have a good chance of making a Super Regional, but I I just, I don't know. It's hard for me to say that they'll make the Women's College World Series. Yeah, I mean, in all of my bold predictions throughout doing this podcast, I know one thing. I say something, and I get burned on it. So, um, I yeah, I think this team, maybe not even Super Regional. Yeah, like, I think there's, the, yeah. There's real, like, and, and, like you said, it's few and far between, but if you're, I don't like that that's even there, that those have happened because it just takes two games and you're out. Right. And yeah, I mean, that's, and it's, yeah. everything's teetering on a, a weekend here, a, a two mm-hmm. day, three day stretch here. And if they just don't have it one day for maybe a third of an inning, in two different games, all of a sudden they're done. If their bats don't come alive, because they're going to be facing some of the best pitching they've faced all season. Right. If they can't figure it out, they're done. Yeah, I mean, it's just – it's such a tough setup. It's so intense and, and crazy. I remember they had one game where they played Towson earlier this year on the road, and it was 0-0 through eight innings, so one extra inning. They end up winning 6-0 in the ninth inning. Megan Good struck out like 20 or something crazy in the game. Yeah, And – it was just weird to see him go into extra innings 0-0 with a team that you could tell they were significantly better than. Yeah. It's just stuff like that that kind of gives you a little bit of pause. And I saw Softball America did like a bracketology a, a week or so ago, and it had JMU as a 12 seed, which I thought was maybe a little optimistic, but it had JMU as a 12 seed. And in that regional at home, um, the bracketology had Virginia Tech in that region which has already, you know, beaten JMU 12 to zero. So if you get something like that, where you're, even if you're hosting and you're playing a Virginia Tech or they're in your, your regional, it makes it so much more difficult. So I think that there's a potential to make a deep run, but there's, there's also that real concern that maybe run into a really hot, talented team that just didn't get a 16 seed and finds a way to get you at home. Yeah. It's going to make it for a real exciting tournament. I mean, definitely we're talking about the, NCAA tournament, we've kind of completely glossed over the CAA tournament, but mm-hmm. there's not a team in the CAA that I think. I mean, granted, Hofstra beat them, right? Hofstra beat them last year. I think it was Hofstra, yeah. But there's, I, I don't see another team kind of taking over the throne of CAA's best softball team this year. Right, yeah, I think they'll do it. And I think if I was correct, I think Elon's got like the top RPI of the other. Um, CAA teams, which doesn't mean a ton, but JMU, if you're hoping to get that top 16 seed, you probably want to run into Elon just to get any chance of boosting your RPI that you possibly can. So, <laughs> for, for a chance against Elon, who's 
like kind of in the top 80 area, I believe. But yeah, that's pretty good for him. Yeah, definitely not terrible. So we'll see how that goes. I think that's Wednesday through Friday. Um, should be pretty quick. And then I believe it's like a selection Sunday kind of thing for um, the NCAA tournament. So that'll be interesting to, to see how that all plays out. We'll be sure to talk about what's going on there. And baseball is on a roll. Yes, they are. 29 and 19. They won today. They've won, I think they're like 11 and 2 since their nine game losing streak. They're 9 and 9 in the CAA. So um, is this the best? baseball team yes ever oh damn in the marlin i can bury era <laughs> yes in the marlin i can bury era without a doubt i mean during that nine game losing streak their pitching wasn't working and their batting wasn't working in the beginning of the season some games their pitching worked, some games their batting worked, and they never really seemed to get it together but now it seems like things are kind of starting to mesh and this young lineup is finding their footing and things may go well for them. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the last time I checked the CA standings, they were third. Yeah. Where'd that right. come from? That's pretty insane. They were it's, last at one point. Yeah, just wild. It's The whole CA from like three to nine is so close and so packed together. It's absolutely insane. I think Elon's like running away with it. I think they're like 18 and three or yeah, something. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they've, they've, Major league prospect after major league prospect yeah. in the bullpen. I mean, granted, James, you has a top nation, like a, one of the best bullpen yeah. in the nation. But, geez, Elon has prospect after prospect after prospect. Yeah, that's just scary. And JMU, I feel like 29-19 obviously isn't like crazy, but they're flying under the radar, I think, in terms of like fan appreciation. They had a game the other day where Kevin Kelly and I forget who – Came out of the bullpen, maybe it was like Nick Robertson, but they combined for twenty strikeouts. Yeah, it was. I think it was Nick Robertson. Yeah, that's crazy, Mister Big Country. They've got some guys in that bullpen that can strike you out at ridiculous rates. Oh, Robertson's scary. He's, I think he's six four, yeah. two something, big guy, and has overpowering stuff. I mean, Brett Air has some overpower. Like he has some speed, like deceptive speed. I wouldn't say overpowering. I caught myself on that one. But he has some deceptive speed. Dan, yeah, Dan Goggin, Mark, Matt Marzilli. Mm-hmm. Like, you just go through that bullpen, and it's it's good guy after good guy after good guy. And that's why yeah. I think the bullpen's in some of, in, in about, like, top 20 nationally in, in some major, major categories. Yeah, Perkins had some crazy stats oh, the other yeah, day. Oh, yeah, Perkins they've, is they've had some, good. They've had some guys in there that are pitching. So it's... Nice to see them do better. This is the first season in Marlon Eikenberry's, I think this is his fourth year, um, that they have more than 26 wins. They're up to 29. I think they were 24 his first year, and then like 26, 26, or is either 24, 24, 26, something like that. Um, but they're about to get the 30 wins. They have eight games left. I'd be surprised if they don't hit 30 wins. So first yeah. year under Ike with 30 wins, it's a good step in the, the right direction. Is this the winning season too? Yeah, I think he's gotten to 500, but I don't, I don't think he's ever had a winning season. So that's a positive step in the right direction. So do you think the way things are going, eight games left, do you think, A, they'll have a top three seed in the Ooh. CA tournament? Two, do you think they'll make a kind of a run at it? Do you think if they're that – I think it's imperative for them to be a top three seed. This is my quick opinion on it. Mm-hmm. imperative to be a top three seed to win that first round game and then – Pray you can beat who is it in second? Charleston? 
I think I don't even remember. I just remember Elon at the top. I mean, then just pray you beat whoever's next, and then see Elon in that last round. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that they'll have a legitimate chance to get into the top three. I do think they'll definitely get into the top six and actually qualify this year. Yeah, and I, th- I think they that they're that's a travesty. That would be bad. That would be bad. I think there'll be some fan support because it's in Harrisonburg that'll help them. But you're right. It kind of depends a lot on like when do you run into Elon. Because that, that sort of becomes the issue. But it's also, and uh, Nick Stevens, our baseball contributor, wrote an interesting piece, I think maybe two weeks ago, um, that sort of explained like JMU's pitching and how they could get really creative and like use a lot of different bullpen guys if they're desperate in a game or they, you know, just want to go with a crazy strategy of bringing in like four different bullpen guys and Kevin Kelly and seeing what happens. So maybe they can throw something really weird like that at Elon and find ways to like scrap out a win or whatever. But I don't know. It's it's so tough because Elon's loaded. Yeah, I mean, they kind of do those weird things on these midweek games because Joe yeah. Walter got the start, but then I was following along on Twitter, and in the fourth inning they had some other pitcher in. Right. Yeah. So, I think I can. Mean, I can definitely getting more creative. And I mean, it's been working. I mean, last what started one and eight, now eight and one. Right. Exactly. I mean, if you've got. This many talented bullpen guys, you might as well use them. If you have, yeah, you have so many pitchers, and you also have the arguably the best freshmen in all of the CAA yeah. and Dabney. You have so many pieces on that team. Yeah, no, it's it's nice to see them playing a little bit better um, and kind of becoming more of a talking point at this point in the year. So no, spring spring sports are are winding down. It's pretty exciting. That's a little sad, too, though. I mean, it's the end of a season. Oh, man. June's um, going to suck. You say June's going to suck? Yeah, when everything's done, and then you got to wait, like... And July. July's going to be terrible. And then <laughs> August, you get to start talking about football coming back. But it's like the same storylines where it's like, guys are tired of hitting themselves, hitting each other. <laughs> they ready to ready. Ready. <laughs> West Virginia, we're waiting for you. And then everyone's... There's going to be, like, people making you know, uncontested catches and people are like, this guy, you got to keep an eye out for this guy. And then the next day someone else is going to make a play with no defenders. I'm like, you, you got to watch this guy. It's like, all right, so the whole roster is great. We get it. We get it. We're gonna, no, but uh, I'm excited for football season, even though it's forever away. It's so far away, but it's going to be so fun. I mean, a new coach. Um, yeah. Who's going to be the starter? I don't know. Cole Johnson. I swear to <laughs> Ben DiNucci all day, every day. I've been a believer. Actually, my quarterback takes are horrendous, so I'm going to have to pick one and see how wrong it is. Didn't you at one point? I mean, you had uh, you had Mitch, Connor Mitch over Brian Shore. I thought. <laughs> I, thought. I, want, if, I hope Brian listens to this podcast and knows that you picked Connor Mitch. Brian's over a huge him. supporter. <laughs> I, I thought that. That Connor was, I was like, oh wow, this guy was pretty good in high school, <laughs> which is the the stupidest way to evaluate anyone, basically. But no, I was like, oh wow, he could do it. And then I guess Brian was pretty good in his starts, but I thought there was still like potential room for Connor Mitch to come in. And then you like watch him in practice and in scrimmages, and Brian was dropping dimes, and Connor Mitch like never learned the offense. And I was like, all right, this was a terrible take. 
a huh. truly horrible take. It didn't work out. And then I said Cole Johnson was going to beat out Danucci before the spring game last year, and then he Danucci was like filthy in the spring game. I was like, why? Cole Johnson is going to fall to the third spot. Bold. My way too early bold statement yeah. is Cole falls to the third spot. I've heard this take from I think Blake Pace or Noah Ziegler with the breeze. One of them says this that. And now I completely buy it. Cole Johnson will go to the Hunter Etheridge role. Gage will be the number two, and <laughs> and Ben will cement his spot as starter. They should move Cole Johnson to receiver. Could you imagine that lanky gazelle? <laughs> He's not that fast though. He's really that would probably wouldn't work. Put him a quarterback. Put Danucci no. at slot, slot receiver. <laughs> put Gage Maloney at tight end slash fullback, and. Um, Boom. Could you imagine Danucci as a wide receiver? All of his swagger and like finger guns. He'd he'd make a catch <laughs> for five yards, pop up, spin the ball. He would be per he does have the swagger of a receiver. Like a number one diva receiver. Yeah. That'd be great. No, but it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I'm excited to see the running backs. Running backs are exciting to me. I like Percy and Jawan. I love Jawan. I wish he got more touches last season. He's crazy. He ran over that guy at the uh, Colgate kickoff, like opening kick. He mauled someone at the end of that kickoff. And he's like not the biggest guy, but he is. He packs a punch. He's fat. He's big. I'm not big. He's so fast. Yeah, he is insanely, insanely fast. I think I could beat him in a foot race, but he is very, very quick. Huh. Very, very impressed by all those guys. Oh, and I think that's pretty much all we have in this. This might be, this is our first May podcast. It is our first May. We had ever. Get, is, yeah. Wait, would we have done? No, I, I've no. I can't think. My brain's fried. Well, we've talked about football twice now. Okay. Um, a little bit of baseball, softball, lacrosse, and women's tennis talk. Yes. Anything else to add out there? I don't think there's too much, um, but I am excited for Flow Sports. I'm excited to have another service where I'm going to shell out $12 a month for buffering feeds. And, um, yeah, and the exposure is huge. Did so. you – you you what we were just talking – oh, about who you think is going to be drafted. Oh, yes. I did a thing like that. I did. It was, <laughs> it was really – Exciting. No, I put a bunch of guys who I thought might get drafted in the next, like, two NFL drafts. Yeah. Um, then the DR yeah. stole our idea. They did. Greg Media classic. <laughs> <laughs> we all know Greg is always scouring our page for ideas. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he did kind of a similar thing, and it was good to see that he had some of the same names I did, most of the same names, which is, is good to know that I wasn't completely off base. <laughs> Um, so I think it's, at least for me, in my opinion, I think a lot of defenders in the front seven have a good chance, and then Rashad Robinson in the back end. But like guys like um, Dimitri Holloway are interesting, John Daka, and then Rondell Carter. And I'm missing someone, I think, that's very obvious, but I can't remember. Maybe that was it. I think that was it. Was it Adiba Tariwa? I didn't put him in there. <gasps> but I thought, I know, I know. But I feel like Landon Word's another interesting one, even though I, I feel like he's more of an undrafted free agent kind of guy, just because... Yeah. He doesn't really have a whole lot of a pub. I guess Rashad's sort of the obvious prospect this year for, for Jamie. Yeah, I think Doc, Doc is a senior, right? You have him for this one? Yeah. I think if Doc has another good year, I think his size and just 
athletic ability may get him drafted seventh or yeah. a quick sign as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, and I think Rondell's another interesting one where I thought he might kind of be fringe or undrafted. I think he's like 275 on the the uh, Jamie Webster, 273, yeah. I think they have exactly. But he's another interesting one. I think the fact that he's like so well-respected and such a, you know, a leader on that defense would definitely help and might be one of those picks where people take him in the seventh round because they, you know, talk up his character or something like that. Yeah. But we'll see. And then I did, I did think coming into the year that Stapleton would have a chance just given his production and size. Um, but obviously we'll have to see how, you know, the off the field issues play a role. I think that that might, yeah. might keep him from getting drafted. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, that was a huge wrench in his definitely and everything. And then uh, Danucci, I think, will go number one overall. So. Yep, without a doubt. And with that, this was the Jamie Sports Newsletter Podcast. See ya. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.